0: Where has all the pink paint gone?
1: Can we beam solar power from space?
0: And what's next for the crunch wrap? <laughs> Get the answers to these questions and more on this week's episode of Knickknack <laughs> News. I'm Anthony.
1: And I'm Alex. And my first story today is mosquito news. <laughs> From EuroNews.com, and the headline is: Scientists have developed a super repellent that can stop ninety-nine percent of mosquitoes from biting your skin.
0: Okay, I'm interested.
1: <laughs> Me too.
0: And can we spray it on everything?
1: <laughs> <laughs> All surfaces.
0: <laughs> they just they're just repelled into space. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it actually has a force to it. Like, it ba- like yes. if a mosquito comes in the near vicinity of it, it's like just a like, magnet Kew! magnetized. It just pushes it. Mm-hmm. Really far away, even up into space. Yeah, that'd yeah. be amazing.
0: It's a physical repellent.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, not quite that powerful, but there uh-huh. is a physical aspect to this, oh, which okay. I will explain. Hmm. Scientists at the Hebrew University in Israel have developed a new kind of insect repellent, which they call a chemical camouflage, and they claim it will deter 99% of mosquitoes from from landing on skin where it is applied. According to somebody that worked on this project, topical or typical topical (laughs) revelation. Typical (laughs) topical typical topical (laughs) typical topical. Uh, (laughs) I hope everyone listening appreciates our um, our our energy today. Anthony and I are both we're we're in a we're in a good mood. I feel like that sounded like we were drunk or something. Yeah, that's did. not what I meant at all. I just, We're just tired. We're just,
0: <laughs> we're just tired and loopy. That's all.
1: Typical topical repellents normally work by preventing mosquitoes from biting the individual. But this one, they claim actually prevents the mosquito from approaching you in the first place. <laughs> so the formula is a combination of two natural components – A a fragrant substance found in flowers is the first one. It's called an indole or indole. Hmm. And then the second one is actually a polymer. um, And they're calling it cellulose or it's derived from cellulose. I'm not exactly sure. But there's a a physical polymer aspect of it. And that's why I said it's like has a physical aspect. Sure. (laughs) So the team's findings were published in a study in the journal PNAS Nexus. And when they first they first actually tried just using the cellulose nanocrystals I guess and applying that to the skin and that resulted in an 80% decrease in the mosquito bites pretty good and then when they combined that with the other with the indole flower scent that's when they got to like a 99.4% decrease so it was very effective
0: <laughs> yeah that's uh that's a very high number
1: <laughs> yes so I'm like get this on the market right now.
0: Yeah, please. I want it. Uh, yeah, cuz I I always get bit up.
1: Protect my skin.
0: I got yeah. The last time I was in a place outside that had a lot of bugs, I my legs just got destroyed.
1: Yeah, that happens to me too. I don't know what it is about like my knees, like the area around mm-hmm. that. I don't know if that's a common thing. But, like,
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'd I got a really bad like like one there. like right behind my knee, which ugh. is like the worst. Yeah, Not the worst, the worst, but it's pretty bad.
1: The, honestly, like when it's on your feet, that's the worst. Oh, yeah. That's just the worst of it because it like, mm-hmm. it's, you're always, it always gets activated because it's like your shoes and things and it's just, ugh.
0: Uh, I'm getting itchy just thinking. Yeah,
1: that. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, I, hopefully they can, they can make this. This article did not talk about like if there's like health concerns or anything using this. I'm kind of like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm Like I'll use it. Does it no. does it wash off? Yes, right. I'll use it because. Does
0: it not wash off? I'll use it because <laughs> then it's just my skin my, now. I mean, mosquito
1: bites are like not good for you. You know what I mean? No. Like, they can carry. All they sorts can carry things. disease. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I thought that was cool.
0: My first story this week is Barbie news. This is from Gizmodo, and the headline is, The Barbie movie is so pink, it caused a global paint shortage. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just thought this was really funny. I, yeah. I think the Barbie movie looks like it's going to be really weird and probably really fun, and I'm like honestly kind of interested in this
1: another, like, it. Do we watch like this a Cats and, yeah. type of situation? I don't know. This seems
0: like it might actually be good <laughs> okay. as opposed to Cats. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I well. mean... I'm not opposed to the idea.
1: All right. I'm not opposed to the idea either.
0: All right. We'll have to watch this space. I think it comes out late July. Okay. Oh, wait. July 21st. I actually have it written down here. Um, So, anyway, uh, they said pink is the most pervasive color in all the footage of the Barbie movie we've seen so far, Uh, unsurprisingly. Uh, And as it turns out, the film basically had a monopoly on the color during production. Uh, According to a recent interview with Architectural Digest... (laughs) <laughs> uh, which is just kind of funny that they had the Barbie movie in architectural, yeah, digest.
1: Yeah, that doesn't really make sense, but okay.
0: Um, uh, but production designer Sarah Greenwood and director Greta Gerwig were talking about the overwhelming pinkness of Barbie land. Uh, dire- the director Gerwig said she wanted the pinks to be very bright and everything to be almost too much. <laughs> Which I think okay. they've accomplished so far from what I've seen. <laughs> um, and to do this, the crew used fluorescent Roscoe paint. And uh, the production designer noted that so much of this specific shade was used that you couldn't get it anywhere else in the world. The world ran out of pink, uh, she said. <laughs> like, literally used the entirety of this particular pigment. Like, the global supply of it. <laughs>
1: That's hilarious. I think,
0: yeah. So they, they used a lot of pink. I mean, if you've seen the trailer, there's a lot of pink. Everything, basically. That's like the base shade that they use everywhere. And I just think that's pretty funny. Wow. Um, maybe by now you can get it again. I don't know how long ago this was that they, uh, that they, that they used the world <laughs> supply. Um, uh, Greenwood and the set decorator ordered a Barbie dream house to study in order to figure out how to make Barbie real through this unreal world. In quotes, uh, And their primary influence was the mid-century modernism of Palm Springs. Uh, additionally, the houses were designed without any walls or doors, um, with Gerwig noting that it calls back to the design of Barbie's Dreamhouse sets. Because they would always just kind of be like a middle wall and then like floors and then like some walls dividing yeah, exactly. those. But there was like never an outside to like the Dreamhouse sets, I, feel, I think. Like yeah, they were just it, well it's like open, so open so that you
1: could like put the dolls in and play in, in it. Yeah. it and stuff. Wait, so the the house in the movies like the house that? in the
0: movie is like that. That's amazing. There's like a whole town of them. Like and they're all like that. Oh. And it's actually that's why they used up so much pink.
1: Huh.
0: Um but yeah, that's uh that's that there's not much to that story. I just thought it was really funny that the Barbie movie used up all the pink in the world. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, I'm imagining they like call up the company that's like makes that shade of pink. Like <laughs> we need like,
0: we need all we need of it.
1: all of your of your pink. Oh well, how many how many uh, gallons? Of that no no. no, no. I don't Whatever think you, you have, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you understood the request. We need all, all of, of it. <laughs> it. Ship
0: it all to this address.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah well, I'm interested in uh, maybe seeing that.
0: Yeah, well, Sounds maybe we'll, maybe we'll have to make it a knick-knack watch.
1: Yeah, which a is a new watch.
0: which is a new thing that I just created.
1: I like it, Knick-knack watch. All right, my next story is solar power news. This is from sciencealert.com. And the headline is, Scientists beam solar power from space to Earth in world first.
0: Doesn't the sun beam <laughs> solar power to Earth from yeah, space? Yeah, so
1: they explained, that was my first thought too. I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, isn't that what the sun is doing? Not exactly. Um, okay. So, well, I'll, I'll get there. So. A little bit of background first. So renewable energy sources, according to this article at least, are expected to account for 90% of the energy market by mid-century, with solar power accounting for roughly half of that, which is a lot. However, several technical challenges and issues still need to be overcome for this transition to occur successfully, basically. So the main limiting factor for solar power right now is intermittency, meaning it can only collect power when sufficient sunlight is available. Sure. (laughs) Which is, like, obvious, right? But to – okay. So to address this, scientists have spent years researching space-based solar power where satellites in orbit would collect the power 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, so all the time, without any interruptions at all. Hmm. And then transfer that back to the Earth. That's kind of the concept. With a
0: big wire.
1: With a big cable. (laughs) So (laughs) – So to develop this technology, researchers with the Space Solar Power Project at Caltech recently completed their first successful wireless power transfer using the Microwave Array for Power Transfer Low-Orbit Experiment, or MAPLE for short. The MAPLE setup. Okay. (laughs) MAPLE was developed by a Caltech team led by Ali Hajimiri, the Bren Professor of Electrical Engineering and Medical Engineering, and the co-director of the Space Solar Power Project. Um, <laughs> and then it says Maple is is like part of a technology tested by this like larger program of testing space technology. And I won't go into all the details of that. Okay. But the platform cons- consists of an array of flexible, lightweight microwave transmitters controlled by custom electronic chips. And the whole – the system was built using low-cost silicon technologies designed to harvest solar energy and then beam it to desired receiving stations on the Earth's surface. And it okay. worked. And it didn't really like – okay, I kind of went into the details of like how right. this exactly works. Sunlight, sunlight,
0: sunlight, but it was magic, like really magic, 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 <laughs> magic, power. I, mean,
1: it, it, I didn't – I have to admit I didn't quite fully understand exactly, but um, – but it works. That's, that's what we care about. What we care about is that it works, that they've done a proof of concept. It works. <laughs> and this can work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is a quote from one of the people involved in the project. To the best of our knowledge, no one has ever demonstrated wireless energy transfer in space, even with expensive rigid structures. And we are doing it now with flexible lightweight structures and with our own integrated circuits. This is a first. So it hmm. um, seems like it's a big deal so the team is now assessing the performance of individual system elements by testing interference patterns with like different, different combinations of materials or just switching certain things out and seeing like if it changes the performance of the system and stuff like that. Mm. Like they're tweaking it just to get, just to see um, how it performs with different conditions and stuff. But um, yeah, they're going to keep testing it and keep iterating on it. But
0: it seems pretty cool. It's
1: really, yeah, it seems promising. And, this article also mentioned in addition to assisting like the general world transition towards renewable energy available, like more consistently. Um, This work also has the potential to expand access for underserved communities as well, because it's like, you know, coming from satellites. Um, Right. So
0: So they're not tied to like a particular geographic location. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So. Very cool. That's that in a nutshell, if you'd like to read all of the, Get into the details of the technical <laughs> of how exactly this works. You can go read that in the article and also where it was actually published, um, which obviously was not where I was reading from here. This was just the news article. But yeah, I think this was pretty cool.
0: That sounds, yeah. I mean, it almost mm-hmm. sounds like magic, which is... It,
1: it kind of awesome. does because it's like, how... Just
0: shoot a thing into the sky and then it sends the sun back.
1: I mean, we... So wirelessly transmitting electricity in general is a known like technology. It's just that it's mm-hmm. never been practical. Right. It's never right? Been so,
0: able to be done at scale. Yeah,
1: or done at scale. So that's that's um been a problem, but that's what they're working on, I guess. So
0: well, hope they figure it out.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. My last story is Taco Bell News. really representing the brands today <laughs> uh <laughs> this is from cnn and the headline is an iconic taco bell menu is go- or menu item is going vegan oh so uh taco bell is testing a vegan crunch wrap so everyone's familiar i'm sure with taco bell's crunch wrap uh, i am at least and I, well Every, everyone, everyone, everyone is.
1: Everyone is. Everyone is. Every weird. person
0: has had a Crunchwrap. That's just true. Um, this is the first time that Taco Bell has sold a fully vegan entree. Oh. Um, it's similar to the traditional Crunchwrap, but the vegan version uses a proprietary, boldly seasoned, plant-based protein created by the company. Hmm. Um, and is topped with two vegan sauces, a blanco sauce that's similar to sour cream, and a vegan nacho sauce. Uh, and then it's all wrapped in a crunchy tostada shell, just like the uh, the regular crunch wrap.
1: I was not expecting you to say that they created a proprietary a vegan proprietary, meat for this. Yes,
0: plant-based protein. Huh. Um, yeah. Uh, right now it's not nationwide. Uh, they're going to have it in three Taco Bell locations in New York City, Hollywood, and Orlando, um, starting on June 8th until supplies last. Or while supplies last, not until. That's a weird way to phrase that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and th- they said that, th- I thought this was kind of funny. Those cities were selected because they have, quote, notable vegan populations. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah, that checks out. Uh, the vegan version <laughs> is priced the same as the traditional wrap, um, which I feel like is kind of unusual for like a plant based protein. Yeah. Usually those are more it's usually expensive.
1: Usually more expensive, right? Yeah.
0: Um, and uh, they said right now the protein can't be ordered in other menu items just yet. Uh, but, I mean, I suppose they eventually could because
1: yeah.
0: they use the same like taco meat in all their stuff. I Why couldn't they sub in right. this? Right, why not? Um, they said it's a soy and pea protein blend. Um, hmm. Like I said, boldly seasoned. They're really emphasizing that.
1: It is the word boldly in all caps and bold? Unfortunately, no. Uh, they could be opportunity they could right. have been
0: emphasizing it more you're right it <laughs> could have been all caps bold underlined italicized um with a couple with emo- emoji's emojis emojis on both sides um, anyway uh, the article also pointed out that Taco Bell has long appealed to vegetarians and vegans since it offers black beans as a protein option uh, and in 2019 it rolled out a vegetarian menu And said that its items could be customized in more than 800 million ways to fit a vegetarian diet, which is probably technically true. But, like, it's those kind of numbers. It's always like, well, if you have this sauce and this meat and this rice, like, yeah, Yeah. yeah, okay. Um,
1: If you just have beans and sauce.
0: (laughs) Beans and sauce. My favorite thing at Taco Bell to get, just some (laughs) saucy beans. beans. (laughs) <laughs> um, I thought this was interesting, though. Too, they apparently uh, nearly a quarter of its food sold last year was vegetarian options. Oh, so, really? so that is also just people getting like a cheese and rice and bean thing without meat in it. But still, that's a still. that's a decent number. And I, yeah, I feel like Taco Bell's always been kind of a good place to go, like as far as fast food for people who don't eat meat. Like,
1: yeah, because it's, it has a lot of options. Like, yeah. So
0: yeah. Anyway. You know oh, I love Taco Bell. I probably I do, won't yeah. try this because I do eat meat. But yeah, you know, it's but, an op, it's an option.
1: I mean, I bet it tastes good though. Like what you sure. explain, like it's it sounds good. Like well, it's, a, it's a good application
0: with, of fake meat because like all it's really about is the spices and like yeah. the seasoning and stuff. So and like as long as the sauces are also good, like
1: the sauce and like the mouth feel of eating a roti corn trap <laughs> there's certain <laughs> other elements that right. are probably all there yeah
0: right? so <laughs> it's it's probably very similar
1: all right that's our show thanks for listening everybody we post episodes every friday and as always the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description
0: if you want to share a story with us about notable vegan populations or anything else you can send us an email at
1: knickknacknews at gmail.com all right we'll see you next week Bye.